Welcome to CS Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 174 of CS Radio. I'm J. Michael DeAngelis. And I'm N. Thomas Leach. Natty, it is February. Winter is upon us. There's a chill in the air. Six more weeks of winter. Well, as we record this, the groundhog has not. He has. He has. Six more weeks. Listen, I woke up this morning to the sounds of Phil being yoinked directly out of his hole and thrusted into the spotlight. Emily watches it every single... Oh, you were in Puxatawney? You were curled up by Phil's hole? No, I was in bed, and she was streaming it live from her phone at 7.30 or whenever it is. Hey, well, six more weeks of winter. Can't say I'm surprised. No, I feel like we barely had winter yet. Exactly. It's just getting started. Yeah. A little, a little dusting of snow yesterday. I saw this was the warmest Philadelphia January in 91 years or something like that. Yeah, it was a very mild January, and now February is upon us with its icy cold hand, um, which is fine. It's winter. And Phil's, Phil's icy little paw. Yeah. Well, Natty, you and I were having uh, a little debrief because I met recently with our uh, our rep from UConnect. Uh, UConnect is the platform that houses the career services website. Uh, we've got a great partnership with them. And uh, they put together a really fantastic presentation for us about uh, how our website's being used, some ideas uh, they had about how we could leverage uh, the website as part of our strategic plan for the next four years. I was really very impressed. A big shout out to Ashley at UConnect for like a really impressive presentation. And uh, in that conversation, we were looking at statistics, as as you often do. And one of the uh, slides was about how people are finding the career services website, you know, Direct Googling, always number one. But then there was a, a, a subset. What social platforms are people using to find career services? And uh, Sam, what do you think the number one social platform sending people to career services is? Instagram. Incorrect. Really? Incorrect. Now, here's I think there's like in, Instagram with an asterisk because Instagram does not allow you to do direct linking for oh, the most part. Boo. Okay. I bet a lot of our traffic comes through our link tree, which is on our oh, our Instagram profile. It should count, but it com- but they, that would count as link tree. All right, second guess. I know you guys have a Twitter, but I feel like that wouldn't be It is not Twitter. We do have a Twitter. YouTube, YouTube, it's YouTube. It's not YouTube. No. Sam striking out. Get ready. Buckle yourself in. It's Friendster. No. <laughs> Reddit. Oh, I was going to go TikTok next. TikTok yes, I thought next. you were going to be flossing after last episode. <laughs> we did discuss it. We have gotten some shout outs on TikTok. We have. Uh, but no, it was, number one ref- social, in a very broad sense, uh, was Reddit. And I was like, oh, that's a bit of a surprise. And I ran it by Natty, and Natty was shocked. Because Natty keeps a close eye on the pen Reddit. I check every now and then. I, I mean, I especially... I don't know. I like to see see what people are talking about. Make sure that uh, we don't come up in any sort of light that needs to be course corrected in yeah. some sort of way. Yeah, Penn's a very pre professional place, and sometimes uh, not everyone gets it right. It's true. It's true. So I I was uh, I, I'm always appreciative that Natty keeps an eye on it because you know I'm on Reddit answer finding out answers to the big questions 
like, like, is there any relation between the Fantastic Four's thing and mm. Korg the Cronin from Thor? Both creatures of rock. Cousins? No, no relation at all. And oh. I found a really great, concise answer with a lot of supporting documentation. Written by John Favreau. It was fantastic. And that, that answer was upvoted right to the top. I really felt like I walked away with a really firm understanding of uh, Cronin culture. Well, nice. I, and biology. <laughs> well, I'm not sure what Reddit is actually, like which subreddit is directing people to us. But there, I mean, there's a lot of advice exactly. channels um, that exist out there for people to find advice. Right, because, uh, you know, you, you your reaction when I told you was, I don't see us coming up in the pen Reddit that much. Yeah. So, yeah, so where's all this coming from? So I know you started poking around, and while we, we didn't find any conclusive evidence, we certainly did find, I think, something we already knew that, yeah, there's a lot of people asking for advice. Whether it's Marvel comic-related or not, people are asking for advice on Reddit, even some career-related things, and we thought today it would be fun to kind of go through Reddit, see what people are asking, see how people are answering, and maybe give our own take on it. So, so in particular, one of the ones I saw was an Ask Reddit thread with the title just... What was great advice 20 years ago, but definitely isn't now? Mm. Um, and obviously that's much broader than just career advice. Yeah. But a lot of it that I was seeing in the thread was really career-related, like things like, oh, my, my dad used to say do this, and that doesn't work anymore. Um, so I thought let's let's read through some of them and say how maybe it does work, but you got to do it a little bit differently now, or yeah, we're, we're, we're past those times um, and move forward. So some of the ones, the first one that I'm seeing – on the list that I remember reading through is my dad. My dad told me once, son, you shouldn't schedule a single vacation day the first year of your job. It shows you're committed. Oh, what terrible advice. Yeah, I, I think that one has uh, come and gone, especially especially now over the last I mean, few years. Yeah, I mean, like, let's even put this in the context of 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I was not quite working here, but let's call it 20 <laughs> 20 years, right? I uh, I started here 19 years ago. Um, certainly here, that would not be the case. We're always being told. We're at a place where you're given a set number of vacation days, and you're told you should use those or you use lose them. them. Lose them. Right. Um, so we've got institutional buy-in there. But I wonder, let's say you were working in a more corporate do you think that that was? I guess it's. I guess it's. It's possible that that twenty years ago, people would be like, "Look at that natty. Never takes a vacation. He's so reliable." Because the people were certainly less concerned openly about wellness, yes. employee wellness, and work-life balance was not talked about as much. Um, not to mention so many jobs. Now versus then, back then we're very button seat. If you're not there yeah. with your butt in that seat, what are you doing? Exactly. Yeah. Um, whereas, I mean, that is almost like very broken down. Obviously, there are some jobs that still you really need to be on site. Um, but many jobs. I met with an employer today who was talking about how he moved. He spent last uh, last year working from Europe remotely, even though his his company is headquartered in New York. And then he moved to. He's been working out of Boston lately. Um, so there's just so much more flexibility around the idea that you need yeah. to be in a specific spot to do your job. 
But I would definitely say that is not good advice now. No, and I think the twist you would want to give to it is to be able to think through how to show your dedication to what you're doing in a different way. Yeah. Maybe that doesn't mean just you being at your desk or at a specific location all the time of being able to someone to be able to visualize that. But instead, how do you find a meaningful way to showcase your work or your enthusiasm for the work or the clients you serve or the population that you serve um, in a different way that really comes through? So I've got one. It's actually the first one in the, the comments. And I think there's, I think there's some, some things I want to call out as pro here and some definite cons. Uh, <clears throat> the person says, in high school, as part of one of my classes, they brought in a lady who worked for HR at some recruiting firm for a few days to teach us how to do resumes and cover letters and such. And she told us, even if a place has an option to apply online, always go in and person and get an application because no one takes online applications seriously. Well, that's certainly out of date. <laughs> I would think there are so few places where you could walk in now and say, could I have an application even at mcdonald's or uh like a retail space maybe they have paper application i bet it's all i bet it's all processed online google it bud they're gonna say yeah i'm i'm certain of it i just think that the idea that you could walk in somewhere certainly any sort of corporate job but i think even in the retail and service space it's probably few and far between that there's not certainly for any franchise national company they're just going to say apply on on the website. Yep. And I mean, I got that advice when I was just out of college. And you know, there were times that I actually even used that advice in college. I think and it might even still work in college where I wanted to find a student work study position at an office, like at a, at a somewhere for the college, for NYU is where I went. And I literally just walked into the gym, walked into the first like office I saw and said, "Hey, do you, are you guys hiring?" So, yeah, so like I said, there's some pros here. First of all, Kudos on that high school on doing job prep stuff. Yeah. I certainly was not the case when I was in high school. I think it's it has evolved over time. And I feel like I feel fortunate in my middle school in particular, but some in high school, we did get a lot of life skill classes that I think there's no room for in the curriculum anymore. So I did learn how to like do my banking and yeah. and 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 things like that. Uh, you know, cooking and you know, basic home economics and things like that. Um, but I don't remember anything about how to write a resume. I don't remember anything about how to write a cover letter. So that's all really fantastic. I mean, even when we're applying for college, I don't remember anyone like coaching me through how to write like my college essays or anything like that beyond what an English teacher would tell you how an yeah. essay is. So kudos on that school for bringing in someone to, to teach these skills. But I, uh, and I think, obviously, no one takes online applications. That's a very passe idea. Like, everybody Everyone. takes them seriously, and that's probably the preferred method. However, you're absolutely right. That doesn't mean you don't go show your face to inquire about interest, right? Or, or, or show kind of... your interest in another way. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And that's definitely the, the twist on this now is the the, the modern way to think about it is – how do you move yourself up that pile? If you're applying to an online application, they have 400 apps that go, come in for one spot. How do you move your way up there? Um, and that might be through networking, something we talk about all the time, trying to make a connection somewhere. It could be by following up directly. Maybe you've applied online 
And then you send a follow-up email to someone who you know is working in that department or working um, in the office that you'd be in saying, hey, really excited about this application. I just saw it and filled it out online. Would love to learn more kind of thing or look forward to hearing from you. It could be a really short email that just kind of continues to showcase that dedicated interest. And that can kind of be the modern version of you just walking in somewhere is maybe a form of networking or cold calling or a follow-up email after the online application or before in some cases too. It also reminded me of something else I saw on Reddit um, I sent to, to Michael that was going around today and yesterday. Um, there was a – this is a little bit sports-related, but did you watch that clip I had sent? I did. So the idea was it was a, a clip from Joe Banner, the former general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles, um, and he was talking about a young guy that he worked with, Howie Roseman, who's the current general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles and is getting lots of kudos and praise these days because of the strength of the team he built that is – going to the Super Bowl this year. Um, but he was talking about how Howie Roseman got into his position, where he came from. And the story he told was about how Howie was basically just this guy that would send in a letter to him every single day talking about his interest in working as a, a general manager um, and, and working on the sports side of things. He said that he would always lead with, you know, I never played football. I've, I've never like been in sports itself, but I really think I'd be great at this this job. Um, and he would get these letters every single day. And one time he was talking to one of his colleagues, another general manager, another team, and realized he was also writing letters to this other guy. And then he started asking himself, is he writing to every single team in the league every single day? And they said, either this guy is the most dedicated person in the world or he's insane. Um, and the short of it is it led to them being fascinated with the idea of we got to talk to this guy. Um, let's bring him in for an interview and see what he's like. And the rest is kind of history that they realize, you know what? He, he is really smart. He is really driven. Let's give him a shot at, at, at something within the front office. And he, he moved his way up into the position that he's now great at. It's amazing. Right. And it's, it's such a fine line, but there are many success stories like that. I mean, um, Steven Spielberg is another person who's like, I just wrote to everyone at Universal over and over again, and then I just started <laughs> sneaking onto the lot and being like, hey, who needs a hand? Uh, until eventually they're like, should we could just get a badge? Right? <laughs> like, um, you know, and he made his connections. He got an interview with someone in the TV department, and he was like, I'd really like to work on film. And he went, well, all right, let's walk across the hall and talk to John Ford. He'll give you some advice. So, um, but that's not going to work for everybody. No, it, and it, you have to, like, I have to imagine that whatever Howie was putting in these letters, there was something compelling about it, right? It wasn't just, right, because if it was just, Insanity. Yeah. Hire me, it, hire me, hire me. It goes into the wastebasket. And you open it and you groan. You're like, oh, here's this guy again. But there must have been something compelling. There must have been an element of intrigue where it's like, maybe this guy knows what he's talking exactly. about. Maybe this guy has a point and he does have some skills that would that would work out well. Um, because you're right, otherwise you'd be he really would have been considered crazy right away and they wouldn't even talk to each other about, hey, we've been getting these um, letters from this guy. Um, but it reminds me of something from this thread insofar as I would never recommend that someone do that. Um, but it does showcase the value of networking. Um, he That was his personal way of cold calling and getting out there and creating a network around him. Um, and it did work successfully in that case. So I think the modern take on that is how do you find ways to 
to showcase your interest to companies that are really at the top of your list? How do you um, reach out to those who are connected to you in other ways? Maybe it's a Penn alum who, who you have that shared connection of just being being the pen affiliation. So how do you find these smaller connections to, to have conversations that, that can lead to these types of opportunities without sounding insane? Should we talk about the, uh, the other, the screenshot that's, uh, that's been going around the CS student. Let's do one more that I was scrolling through and I couldn't find it, but I remember reading it. I've, I've got another one from that as well, but you go ahead. Let's do, yeah, let's do two more of those then. Um, so the one, that I saw, but I can't find now was something along the lines of make sure you always print your resume out on hard stock glossy. Oh yeah. So that it run you when they hold it and they have it in a pile, it really stands out as they're flipping through. Uh, that was advice that this office was giving 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Uh, we had recommendations for what kind of paper you should have your resume on a hundred percent, uh, fancy, Heavy stock, not glossy, but heavy stock resume paper, uh, maybe on a cream mm. to make it uh, stand out from uh, white printer paper. 100%. 100% we, we said that. And now nobody really prints their resume out to mail to an application. Right. So it's, you it's would still, like, like if you're going to the career fair on Friday, you're going to print out say, some resume. However. But it's not as important that it be on fancy paper. It's probably not important at all. Are there other, I wonder if there are other things like that that we were saying, you know, in, in 2024, 2023. I mean, no, wait, 2004. 2003, 2004 <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what are we saying now in 2024? Oh, I, the one that other also stands out to me, people still ask every now and then after, after they've had an interview, and this relates a little bit to the Howie Roseman story too, is like, do I mail a letter, oh, yeah. a thank you yeah. to people? And that has completely changed where it used to always be like, oh, always mail a thank you note. It'll show, it'll be like this nice little thing that they'll see and show that you really care and dedication you put into it. Um, but nowadays, like send them an email. You don't want to have to wait a week for them to get that letter yeah. potentially or it get lost in the mail and they don't see it. And they've already made up their mind and made a decision on what they're doing. with the Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I have still like I will say when you do receive that handwritten card, it is nice. But but yeah, when did it get to me? It just might be it might be too late. How depending on how fast or or slow things move. Um, In the couple of um, job uh, interviews that I've been involved with as the hiring person. it really is surprising how many people don't send thank yous at all. Um, that makes a difference, I think. Well, absolutely. I mean, at the very least, it shows that you were engaged in the interview where you can say like, hey, it was really fun to learn about this thing or this thing that we talked about. I really appreciate that conversation because um, it can also give you an opportunity to fix something you didn't think went that well. If yeah. You, if you're like, man, I, I actually probably should have framed that one question. I could have added this extra piece. You could say, oh, when we were talking about this, I actually remember how important this element was to me, or I remember this this story to add. Yeah. It can give you a chance to, to, to add to add a little depth. something onto the onto the fire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that also we would have said get like the advice in general would be in, invest in stationary resume yeah. paper, thank you cards, um, 
a nice pen. Um, all of those that's no, it's nowhere on our on our list anymore. I mean, the other, I mean, here's a big thing that's changed because uh, we've got career fairs on our minds. Our advice 20 years ago uh, was to dress for the career fair, dress in in business clothes for the career fair. Yeah, full suit, full suit. Um, not for every fair, but for certain fairs, uh, it was expected that you would, yes, gentlemen would be in suits, ladies would be in pantsuits or, or skirts, um, and everybody was all there looking their best. We would have mirrors for people <laughs> looking at things. Um, and I I was always like, boy, that's so hard. Like, these kids are coming in between classes and stuff, and, you know, it's... It's a casual event, ultimately, right? It's yeah. like you're, you're, you know, Shatton. and that has really changed. It has drastically changed because one, where I think it was absolutely expected that you were dressed to the nines, was the engineering fair. But those folks are wearing t-shirts yeah. to work now, they, they right? Come, they and they come in t- jeans and t-shirts, yeah. For the fair, the themselves. recruiters are dressed yeah, recruiters. down, right? So uh, that has that is also a big change. Um. That I think is also for the better, particularly for students, right? I think that's really it. Yeah. Just makes it an easier part of your less day. stress levels of running yeah. between classes, and ultimately, probably more students are able to engage with those companies because I mean, if they have a tight schedule and they can't, they don't feel like they'd be able to go back and change. They can still come and attend the fair and make some good connections. So here's another piece of advice that seems dated, according to Reddit, which is. Be loyal to your company, and the mm. company will be loyal to you. And I think just the idea, the old-fashioned idea of you start in the mailroom and work your way up, and unless you're working at uh, WME or CAA, where they literally still have that path from mailroom to yeah. executive, that's a pretty outdated idea. And even the idea that like you get a job and that's your job for life, that is that's very definitely outdated. not. And that has... I mean, that has changed, I would say, even in the time I've been working here, there were certain, I think, expectations, even in the finance world, where you're going to get this and you're going to move up from junior analyst to senior analyst to to C-suite, all at the same place. And now it's, well, I'll be junior analyst here, and then I'll go over there, and I'll be senior analyst, and then I'll come back over here, and I'll be VP, and then I'll go over there, and I'll be in the C-suite. So, you know, the idea that you wouldn't switch companies, like, I think the norm now is like three years max, right? Yeah, and they even say like two, one to two years or something like that is kind of the way to maximize your, your financial growth if you start out at one position. It's usually easier to increase your your salary by getting a new position as opposed to just hoping for a raise in your current position. <laughs> That's what I did wrong. <laughs> I mean, it, it it wasn't true back then as much because I think there was an element of the it's truth. True now. It's definitely true now, though. Um, and it's one of the things we talk about with students all the time when they feel like I'm getting my first job. This is my entire career the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. It's just not true. It, it, it's both. It's both not true in terms of how it's probably going to play out for them and it's also probably better for them to think about it in in two two to three year increments or one to three year increments um for their own professional growth as well and opportunities to learn new things and do more things um the other thing that was similar in that thread that i saw was 
Just take any job, even if it's a uh, oh yeah now, in the mail room now or that, filing things. That is advice I I was given for sure. I was as well. Why are you turning things down? Well, it's not what I want to do. Yeah, and I think there's some truth to the idea that you can get your foot in the door and kind of grow. You mentioned the talent agencies like WME, UTA. They sometimes have roles still that are very like ladder based. You work your way up as an assistant in entertainment. Yeah. It's still pretty yeah. common. But outside of that, like there's rarely an administrative role that would have clear sight lines to the next like analyst role or business development role or whatever that might be after that um, without you having to do something really above and beyond. Yes. Like an extra degree or a yes. certificate or something yes. that, would, that would help you out. Yeah. So uh, let me – this actually is something I was thinking about before we even thought about doing this episode. I was just thinking about it in terms of – programming that we do at career service and have done um we uh had a colleague who every year did uh dinner etiquette yeah the etiquette right um and that's not something we do anymore and i wonder well first of all how many dinners are they going to (laughs) in this post it's particularly post covid um and how important is dinner etiquette I know it was particularly aimed at international students who might have different standards of dinner etiquette yeah. in their home country. And so what's a business dinner etiquette in America versus your I home think it was country? Also, the companies used to do more like banquet style yeah, things. And and I don't, we, I just don't think, I don't think they're doing that much anymore. Especially since, since the pandemic in the last few years, yeah. for sure. I think that's pretty far off the table. Although there still might be... I think there's still some overlap where there might be a lunch portion if there's like a longer lunch. I think there definitely used to be like night before your interview dinners yeah. where they took everybody who had an OCR interview they out. They go to the Independent or they go to like some banquet style nice place. Exactly. They'd go to White Dog or they'd, yeah. or they'd have a yes, they'd have a banquet at the hotel uh, that was a, a sort of formal pre-interview and networking. Um, and if the things still happen, I mean, there's still a Swede dinner every year that the you know the student uh, women engineers um, put together. That is employers and students and in a formal dinner setting. So it's not completely gone, but it was a much bigger part of the recruiting experience in I would say engineering and finance than it is today. Yeah. So yeah, not not a program we've done in quite some time. I think. Uh, it's probably I don't think it's worth redoing unless we can pair it with at least giving some nice food to some, <laughs> some yes students. yes uh, but I think the demand for that is yeah because I don't think the employers are hosting those those kinds of events very often no and at the end of the day don't uh don't get hot sauce all over your shirt or whatever it I feel I feel so attacked <laughs> I, know, I was gonna say I feel so <laughs> attacked Oh, well, it's true. Um, all right. What's last on our docket? The post that's yes. going, going, taking the rounds. I saw this uh, this morning on uh, Instagram, uh, and I saw it later this afternoon again on Facebook, and then Natty sent it to me uh, straight from uh, Reddit. Uh, this comes from uh, our programmer humor, uh, and uh, the title is Most Humble CS Student. Now, I believe that's computer science, not 
career services. So most humble CS student. (laughs) And the post is, uh, this is cross-posted from CS majors. I want money. All I want is money. Both times money in all caps. And the post says, I don't get the way you guys think. I want money, all caps. Six figures right out of college. 200K a year entry level. I'm in this for money, all caps. I don't care whether I'm fulfilled. I want money, all caps. Whether uh, Whatever gets me the most money, implied all caps on <laughs> yeah, each of these money. You're going to be saying all caps a lot. What do I need on my resume to get me the most money? What technology gets me paid the best? All I care about in this major is money. That's why I'm in college. I don't want to laugh and play with any of y'all. I don't want to be buddy-buddy with y'all. I'm here for money. Again, I think some pros and cons here. So I, I, I shared it with you because it reminded me of the idea of sometimes we talk about the values. And, yes. And before you're even searching for things or you're looking at a field, what values of that field or of those positions align with what your goals are? Um, and honestly, I think the one of the pros of this post is this person knows what their goals are and what their values are, and they've set their sights on that. Oh, 100%. I mean, everyone has uh, their own assigned value to being in things for the money. But I, you know, if that's what that person wants, more power to them. Uh, I mean, I think uh, the part where they lose me is where they, they, they are – uh, shunning friendship. Yes. I yeah. feel like maybe, you know, you can have money and friendship, I, I think. Um, but, uh, I, it, you know, your, you uh, or, or your family are investing a lot of money into a college education. We talk all the time about what's the return on a college education. Well, $200,000 right out of college is a pretty good return. Now, I can tell you from our first destination survey outcomes, that would be on the high end. Not not not, there s- was not, a, not much higher. Yeah. I've seen it in the data as recent as this year, so it does exist. Yeah. There's a uh, risk, too. I mean, the, the tech sector going through such an up and down period right now, uh, lots of layoffs, but then lots of other things cropping up. It's sort of volatile at the moment. Yeah, right? and then their stocks all going up, and like that was the report today was how Meta's valuation right. or something like, but, went way higher. But as an employee, like, right, they're not hiring, unfortunately, yeah. right? So hopefully that balances out, right? But, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I say more power to you. What, what do you think the chances are that that was a Penn student? <laughs> I don't know. I, I could see it. I could see it. Usually when I talk to people, they talk less about money and they the pen, pen students fall into the idea of prestige a lot more. Okay. Which I think is also something that is, it's a real thing. I think there's value behind that, behind the idea of there's um, some people place a certain self-worth on it or the idea of the, it makes it gives them pride to be able to project and say, oh, I work at this company that sure, has great yeah. prestige. Um, and that there is some real element behind it too that that could help with future job prospects. People knowing that you worked at this highly prestigious firm or company, um, there's a lot of ideas and, and thoughts that can go behind that that are positive. Um, now, obviously, I think there's a, a big portion of to each their own because to me, I don't care about any of those things really. I mean, I know I work at Penn, which is right. prestigious alone, 
but I don't work at Penn because it's prestigious in my That's opinion. exactly right. I, I am I am uh I'm well aware that I work at a prestigious institution and I recognize that when you and I speak to peers at other institutions that when we say where we're from, there's a, a weight to it. Yeah. Sometimes a negative weight, right? There, are, There's a perception that we have all these resources that maybe other people – and sometimes it's true. And other times I'm like, man, we're right in there with you. Like, yeah, yeah we're at Penn, but I'm, you know, I'm holding things together with staples and tape sometimes. So uh, – but I'm, I'm certainly aware, like, oh, that – oh, oh, oh the ivy league <laughs> but that's yeah but i didn't seek that out yeah and and because there's the truth behind it i still think it's it's not the kind of thing that we ever try to dissuade and tell students that shouldn't be something they value because if they do value it then go for it that's okay to yeah. have as being one of your core values um but i do think that we oftentimes do try to point out smaller or mid-sized companies can offer really great opportunities as well. And, and the prestige can go beyond that. And that could be the same for the money element and the post you're talking about too. Like there are a lot of pitfalls if you emphasize one value above and beyond so many others that are, are out there. Um, so for this post, if all you're thinking about is money, um, it could be that work-life balance is terrible. You burn out quicker. They don't, they value you from a money perspective, but they don't value from a human approach. Um, there's all sorts of things that that could lead into that are are potentially harmful long term well, what are you going to do with all that money if you don't have any friends yeah yeah and what yeah what are you going to do with it can't take it with you no nope. and same for the prestige right like it might be similar where you have this prestige that that is is out there that either feels good for you or feels good to know that you work at this big prestigious firm or company but Maybe because it's so big, you don't always have opportunities to work on some of the smaller projects that really interest you. If you have a passion project or a passion population that you'd love to to work with or work on, um, you might not have as much opportunity at a bigger firm. They might place you on, this is your role and this is your what you have to do. Um, stay in your lane. As opposed to a smaller company where there might be more collaboration across projects on all sorts of different things. So... As we wrap up here, all, all of this talk of, of values make me think that uh, on uh, this coming this coming Tuesday, so the d- the day after this episode drops, mm. uh, you and I are going to a divisional meeting where yeah. everyone's going to be talking about the results I of their do that of their still. strengths quest. You got to do it, man. You got to do it, or they're going to come after you. I know strategic is up there. I did it for my master's program. Years ago. I've, I've probably done it three times just in career services alone to help, yeah. you know, as we get new staff who need to be trained on on strengths. Uh, I've done it and I, I've done it for myself. Uh, I did it in college, too. But uh, it was, you know, it was uh, there's there were no surprises, but it was it was fun to go through it again. But anyway, the whole division is is going through having having done Clifton strengths and, and learning about their strengths and, and finding out their top five. My number one ideation. I was up there for not, me. Too. Not a surprise. Number two, I believe, was connectivity, okay. but number three was individuality. <laughs> so, mm. like, I'm, a, I'm just, a, I'm, you know, I'm a lot of, I have a lot of contradictions. Uh, but I thought it would be, uh, I thought uh, we'll have both done that. It'll be a fun topic to discuss uh, next week on the podcast. Sure, yeah, we can do that. I have one question for Sam before we go today, and that is, why are you doing this job, Sam? Is it all for the money? No, 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 no. I mean, you can answer that if you want. I was more thinking, as the young person in the room, is there advice that you've heard Mm. from us or just out there that exists now in general as like, this is common advice you hear that you hear it and you're like, that's not going to work. I can't do that. Like, 
that's out of touch with with what what it feels like really for me right now. I don't think so. I was looking at Reddit there. I mean, most of it, I mean, what you guys addressed, I think the only thing would be the online application process. I feel like that sometimes can feel like, oh, apply online. That's just going to go into the void. I don't know when Mm -hmm. I'm going to come back here back. I have to have a connection to actually get that person or that company to respond to me. So the idea of just getting that online, I'd rather be able to go into a store and actually shake a manager's hand and be like, yes, I am interested and use that in-person charm, really, or just in person. I'm a real person. I'm not just applying a resume. I'm here. I'm interested. I don't know if that's really saying advice is wrong, but I feel like that is the one thing where it's like, oh, it all works out when you just apply online. Yeah, well, I think I think right. it's like what we were saying. So like the idea that applying online is lesser is now outdated. Like you kind of have to apply online, yeah. but like you could, you should still, as Natty said, find ways to show your interest in other ways, whether that's through networking or making a, if, the, if it is a place you can walk into and say, hey, I'm Sam, I'm charming as hell. <laughs> Uh, Essentially, the swing of the pendulum might be that now the the common advice is just apply online, like just like just apply online, like use Indeed, use Handshake, uh-huh. use something like that, mm-hmm. and just apply online, and you're good to go. When in reality, you should still be looking for ways to showcase that interest. I, I, I really think stand out take a holistic ways. approach to things. Yep, in everything in life, absolutely. All right, well, it's been fun to browse Reddit with you guys. Different than what I'm usually seeing on Reddit. Cronin, Cronin Biology. <laughs> uh, but uh, sounds like we've got a plan uh, to look into our strengths next week. So until then, we'll see you next time on CS Radio. This podcast is presented by University of Pennsylvania Career Services, a division of University Life. It was created by Milan Kirshner and J. Michael DeAngelis. It was produced and hosted by J. Michael DeAngelis and Natty Leach and mixed and edited by Sam Pasco. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you're listening. See you next time on CS Radio.